Welcome back, guys. This is Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, and we have come to our encounter with God section. Has anyone answered the quiz yet? No, and you missed out on the last clue because you did. were busy like, on the phone. I did. But uh, let me tell you. Let me tell, you. tell me the last clue. Okay, the last clue was, by the number of words, not verses, this is the shortest book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? Mm-hmm. Write it down. Yeah, yeah, I will. I've lost my pen and paper right now, but... Um, Okay, all right, all right, all right, right. Here it comes, here it comes. Here. Handing him a pen and paper. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You got it. You that was it. the one I was actually going to put down the other before, but I'd ran out of time, so. Okay, so we still have a prize for the quiz. <coughs> it's one of a book called Finding a Better Way by, by Gustavo Squarzon. Give us a call here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. The new clue, however, that I'm going to give you, it's a very easy clue. Really going to give it away. What book am I? The book of Jude follows after this book. So get out your Bibles. It's near the end of the Bible, that won't get be out your Bibles. That one. Go find the book of Jude. It's like giving the, the the whole thing away. And try and find out which book comes before the book of Jude. And then give us a call and win the prize. You know what? No one's going to want to call this one in now because they're like, that's just <laughs> too easy. No, do it. Do it. Don't listen to Lyle. Give us a call. Doesn't Absolutely. How easy give us a call. Is. All right. So call. Um, Daniel has texted in. Um, ex-police officer, just making a comment and weighing in on our previous story about um, on, on the subject of rape and self-defence. Mm-hmm. Uh, this lady that was executed in Saudi Arabia as a result of uh, killing the person who was allegedly uh, raping her in an act of uh, self-defense. self-defense. Yeah. Suppose, but self-defence, of course, is not a... Um, a, a, a valid defence in that particular country for a woman in those kind of circumstances. And we mentioned that, you, you mentioned DNA and rape kits and so forth, and he, he says, look, you're right about needing more than DNA to prove rape. DM, DNA, DNA only proves a sexual act has taken place. It is still a lot of he said, she said, and this is one of the, one of the massive challenges that, um, that we have with this particular crime is that you know if, it's, if it comes down to he said, she said, what are you actually going to do about it? That's fair enough. Yeah, to some and extent, it's, and it's and it's challenging. I think that we would probably need a lot less than four male witnesses in Australia to be able to convict a person. Yeah, that's true. And thanks, Daniel, for weighing in. We appreciate. Um, yeah, yeah. Daniel was on the show last week. Giving us was a, last um, week or this giving week? us a policeman's perspective. Yeah, very disappointed that he turned up to the um, station without donuts. I still haven't forgiven him about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're cool, Daniel. Daniel. You're in trouble. You're cool. <laughs> but next time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're going to be you're going to be coming up with another reason to interview Daniel very yeah, soon, aren't you? Yeah, Daniel. Coleman, we need to talk. <laughs> What's something we can interview you about? <laughs> uh, Lyle, I've, I'm on my phone right now editing pictures of you and I looking like absolute freakazoids. One of you, how you look old like, were you? You look like more like I look a, like an alien. I was 15 in that photo. You were 15. I was 22. I you was pretty 15. cool in that photo. I have, that's my favourite leather tie. <laughs> Just it was ad- epic. You just admitted that my on wife, air. My wife threw it out many, many years ago. It was Good like the mood. worst thing that ever happened. It was, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was, it was epic. That tie. Lyle, that tie is literally a reason for divorce. <laughs> Who wears a leather tie? I was, I was, I was so cool back then. You have no idea how cool. Well, I was. your mullet certainly speaks it's for not your a coolness. Mullet. It's not really a mullet. It's just a little. It's a kind of. It's a conservative mullet. You basically have like it was definitely business out the front, party out the back. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This I'm is about true. to post three pictures uh, of Lyle with his long hair and me 
with no hair and no eyebrows, uh, raise it off uh, for charity, just, you know, tempering that. And I, I, I had a valid excuse. Lard in the hand just had bad fashion sense. <laughs> it was the, what are you talking about? This was the best fashion sense ever. This was, this was the height of fashion. No one on the planet agrees with you, Lyle. <laughs> You're on your own. Need to go to the Mullet Festival in Curry. Are you serious right now? You've never been to the Mullet Festival in Curry. No, but I will this coming one, whenever it is. I'm going to Google (laughs) that for sure. Just Google it. All of the mullets turn up for that festival. Well, you might have to grow yours back. People come in from all over Australia for it. Yeah, Yeah, well, maybe Grow yours back in a (laughs) (laughs) tent. All right, let's jump into our, our 20 million movement. Okay, 20 million. Where, where did we get up to? I can't even remember where we got up to. Oh, we were talking about Ananias and Sapphira. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yep. Let's move on from there. Which book is that? Was that Acts? I mean, sorry, which chapter? Acts, that was Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. So, one. One. so this is, you know, the story of Acts starts off with a church that is experiencing tremendous unity. Mm-hmm. So much so that they are actually able to live for a period of time communally. It's almost like the church is having a honeymoon phase. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Ananias and Sapphira are the ones who break that honeymoon phase. This yep. is where it all comes completely unstuck for mm-hmm. them. And, uh, you know, because they start to tell lies, they are um, motivated by vanity, they want to look good, you know, they are the kind of Christians who are Christians when everybody else is looking and when nobody else is looking, it's like, well, let's do our own thing. Uh, so hypocrisy is coming in and this is threatening to tear this whole unity apart that has been built, um, you know, by you know, tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit and coming together of God's people through the uh, the early church period, and uh, of course Ananias and Sapphira revealed that you know the human heart is desperately wicked and corrupt above all things, and give it the right environment, and the worst of the worst can come out of anyone. That's true. So it's a warning to all of us right there. It it, it really is. But we have another passage that we're going to look at. Mon, I'm wondering whether you can look up for us Second Corinthians chapter nine. Um, and we will look at verse 8 to 15. Have you got that picture up there yet, or are you still... I'm just typing out the uh, the caption to it. Okay, so what... what <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter do I, do I even want to know what ca- that caption is? I'm just trying to figure out something to say. Okay. Captioning is always the hardest part about <laughs> social media. All right, so Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 through 15. Let's, let's just focus on some serious, serious stuff for a while. And God will generously provide you all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Okay, so you've got a situation here where unity is created by giving. Mm -hmm. Let's think about this in a practical sense here in Australia. How would we, and and this is something that you actually find was a strategy of Paul's. We're going to look at some more passages in relationship to this further on. Here's what you had. You had Jewish Christians. Culturally, Jewish people had seen themselves as being on a altogether higher level than the rest of the world. So it really was a, a, a form of quite severe racism. They saw themselves as being the, um, the superior race because they had been chosen by Yahweh, uh, by God himself. And it was their destiny to one day rule the world. This is what this is what the way they viewed themselves. And because of this, they created a society that was very exclusive. Um, you couldn't go into the home of a Gentile. That's a non-Jewish person. You couldn't eat with a non-Jewish person. You 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 would you would avoid talking to them if you touched one. You would be ceremonially ceremonially unclean, and you had to go through a whole cleansing process that was very very difficult and challenging. 
And so, you know, as a result of all of these laws, very, very, really racist laws when you stop and think about it, you know, Jesus stood up against that. And Jesus was, you know, he was a Jew. He was the ultimate Jew. Uh, he opposed that. You know, he was the kind of person who would touch lepers. He would he would touch Gentiles, the, the unthinkable. He would... Um, yeah, he would he he would just do a uh, uh, a whole lot of things that the average Jew would never do, and it was called you know breaking down the wall of petition. Paul was a champion of this cause and pushed it you know further than anybody else in the New Testament other than uh, Jesus Christ that we have on record. Um, and one of the ways, one of the strategies that he used was by looking for opportunities to do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, where if somebody, you know, despitefully uses you or persecutes you, um, pray for them and do good for them. Which can be really hard unless you have Jesus in your life. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so he would look for opportunities where the Gentiles, who were on the, you know, the the, the, uh, they were seen as second-class Christians. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gentiles, who were seen as second-class Christians, would help out the Jews who saw themselves as the first-class Christians. So you imagine if you're a Jewish person, you're dealing with this culture that you've grown up with. You know, it's, it's, it's been ingrained into you since the day you were born. And as a result of that, you, you, you're just struggling to deal with this, this feeling of superiority. A famine comes across Judea, Galilee, this whole region. Uh, everybody is in desperate times, people are facing starvation, and suddenly as a Christian, there is a tremendous amount of welfare that comes your way from other Christians. So Christians looking out for Christians, this is a good thing. Coming from other Christians who are Gentile Christians, is that is that going to change your attitude? Yeah. It's it would be it would be cataclysmic. It'd be a, a like a, a huge difference for me. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So what what Paul really is introducing here is a game changer. Mm, Yeah. um, For everybody because, you know, the moment that, you know, a whole bunch of uh, money or disaster relief things turn up on your doorstep because, uh, you know, there are a bunch of Gentiles out there that are supporting you, this is going to bring about unity. And so in this context of unity, it's one of these things that we need to look at in, uh, in a fair bit of detail. So let's go back over here to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. Where were we? Second Corinthians chapter 9 and... Verse 10? Um, where did we get up to? <coughs> we, we read verse 8 and 9. Okay. I want to go back. First Corinthians... Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm just going to find it here. Sorry. No worries. Let me flick my pages around. And While you're doing that, it. let me tell everyone that I just posted up those horrific pictures and they're now available on Twitter, Instagram and, and Facebook. <laughs> 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 of Lyle and I at probably our hair worst. <coughs> Should we talk about the uh, Mon Donald head? head? Yeah, actually, you know what? I was just thinking it's probably not my worst. <laughs> <laughs> it was just in the worst pile. No, that one actually looked fine. We'll talk about that another day, though. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, where were we? Verse 8. Nine. Why can't I find this every time I turn the wrong place? Uh, here we go. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. There are a lot of words here that I really like. Okay. And they're all small words. Let me highlight them for, for you. The word all... Um, always, all again, all again, every. So you've got all, always, all, all, every. 
It's like a very inclusive verse, isn't it? Very emphatic. Paul uh-huh. is using very, very emphatic words right here. So that God is able to make his grace you know, abound. That's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We, we want God's grace abounding. Absolutely. Um, toward us in always in having all sufficiency in all things to abound to. So when God's grace abounds to us, what should we have abounding towards others? The same grace and love. What does abounding mean? Like an abundance of it. Yeah. Heaps. Yeah. Heaps. Yeah. Heaps. Mm-hmm. heaps. Lots. Yeah. Lots. All right. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. And so you've got this abundance here. God gives you an abundance of grace so that you can give an abundance of grace. And that should be the outworking of our faith, really. And that, I love that whole. I love that whole. Um, the metaphor of you know, uh, as Christians, we need to be a river and not a reservoir. Mm-hmm. So you know, when flow when Jesus Jesus grace flows into us, we need to flow it out to others instead of just keeping it all for ourselves. Which is kind of you know what the you know Bible time Jews were doing. Okay, so, so should we see this money as being seed money as a way of making money? So we uh, we give to others so that God can bless us and we can become wealthy. I mean that shouldn't necessarily be a motive. No, no, <laughs> it's just a happy byproduct. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't. It doesn't always happen either. Mm-hmm. And, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't expect it or ask for it to happen. We should give out of the love of our heart uh, because we want to serve God rather than because we want to get something in return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was watching a documentary on televangelists last night, prosperity oh. gospel preachers. That would have been interesting. And the things that they were exposing, the corruption that they yes. were exposing was just off the clock. Oh, Lyle, I want to watch this now. I'm a huge doco head. I love docos. It, it, was, um, it was a doco that where they did some investigation and then, you know, they actually had, um, you know, this bunch of godless people who actually set up a church so that they could see how the whole system worked from a legal perspective. Of course, this was in the United States where they have you know, a very different legal system as far as churches goes to here in Australia. It did get a bit blasphemous in the end, um, which was disappointing. You know, They didn't have to go quite that far in exposing the corruption of the prosperity gospel. But basically, you know, the thing that they, were, that they were pointing out was that the prosperity gospel preachers are teaching that giving is a financial investment where you will get a financial return. Now, if that is why you are giving, that is the wrong motivation and that is never going to be, that is not giving from the heart, that is giving from selfishness. It is an appeal to uh, greed and uh, an appeal to the flesh and also an appeal to desperation. One of the things that they were pointing out is that a lot of desperate people are giving you know, large amounts of money, the only money they have, because um, they are desperate to get out of their financial situations. And, and you've got these televangelists are saying, if you've got a credit card debt, the way that you can get that credit oh, card debt, no. send me X amount of money and that credit card debt is going to be wiped out. Oh, no, that's terrible. Now, you know that there are people in the world who have very large credit card debts, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Credit card debts that they are never going to be able to repay. And what he was saying is, send me your credit card details. I'll take what little you have. And you'll get your debt wiped out. You'll get your, you know, and you think, how damaging is this for Christianity? These people shouldn't be allowed to be on TV. You know, this is this is people who are who are chasing after the vulnerable and mm-hmm. making massive amounts of money off the vulnerable. This is people who own fleets of Bentleys and Rolls Royces, and um, 
you know, jet aircraft, you know, two, three jet aircraft each, their own private airport. They live in massive mansions that are, of course, described as a parsonage on huge estates. Well, it's kind of like gambling, isn't it? Like people, like it's the poor people who are out there trying, like throwing the small amount of money that they have left, trying to win something. This it's is same mentality. Worse yeah. than gambling, because at least gambling is up front. You know, gambling yeah. is is like it makes no pretension to righteousness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes no pretension to religion or anything like this. Um, this is infinitely worse because it is appealing to uh, you know people's. Love for God mm-hmm. in many ways to mm-hmm. do terrible, you know, just to to, to, to to rip them off and to, yeah. And it's it's funny that people should think that you know, have they not read the Bible and they realize that often the rewards of our good deeds are not on this earth. So the Bible says are, that He will yeah. pour out blessings so much that you will never be able to contain those blessings. He doesn't say money. Yeah. He doesn't say dollars. There's not going to be dollars falling out of the sky. Or even, you know, ones and zeros as we have instead of dollars these days. Mm-hmm. Um, your bank account's just not going to be filling up. That's not what God promises. He promises blessings. And I want to tell you, there is a blessing in giving. You can't outgive God in that there is a tremendous blessing that you receive from giving. But it's not to, to promote it as a financial investment or to promote it as a financial blessing is, uh, you know, that's just wrong. It is. That, that's 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 corrupt because you know and and that's and that's not what it's all about. And so Paul here is talking about you know giving from the abundance of our heart because we love God, and that should be the only motivation um, of uh, uh, of loving God and of giving to Him. Yeah, and, and of, yeah, of, of yeah, giving to Him. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely think you should give, but you have to realize that when you when you give, you're often giving to those who are you know less well off than you are, and it's unlikely you're going to get any sort of return from that you know but giving it to rich guys well read what it says in verse 10 because this is the verse that these uh, televangelists they just love to quote they love to quote this verse and then take it way out of context for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest harvest of generosity in you. Okay, so what is the great harvest that they're going to receive? Is a great harvest of money. Well, is that what it says? No. What is it going to be? A great harvest of what? Great harvest of generosity. So if you don't want to be a generous person, don't give. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you do want to be a generous person, give. give. You will enjoy the blessing of giving and as a result of that you will uh, become a more generous person. Yeah, it's changing your character. It's, it's more blessed to give than receive and you get you get, uh, you get get uh, greater blessings that way. And people like, you know, these ministers, this is the verse that they're quoting. You know, it is seed. Mm. You know, plant this seed. And they do crazy things like, you know, um, um, they, they send them a letter every single week. Asking for money. And sometimes, you know, they'd send them a, a, a letter, an envelope with a $1 note in it. Oh. And it's like, take this $1 note, place it in your Bible, put it beside your bed overnight, and then tomorrow put it back in the envelope with the rest of the money that God has um, inspired you to give as seed so that you can become wealthy. Oh, that's creepy. It is. It is. And then, and then it went even further because the guy's doing the doco. Um, you know, there's all this correspondence. He goes back and forwards, back and forth. He's giving them lots of money in the mm-hmm, process mm-hmm. and all, all the rest. Eventually, he gets a check in the mail. And he's like, Yes, this is awesome. I have a check in the mail. Um, the seed has grown. It has come back. I now have, you know, it is, it, this is working for me. Yeah. It's a check from himself to oh. this particular ministry. All he has to do is sign it. 
Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how terrible is that, you know? And, and the very sad thing is that, you know, <laughs> these are scams mm-hmm. of the worst possible kind and they're giving Christianity such an incredibly bad name, you know, and, and, and to the point that, you know, people look past all the good that Christianity does. The sun, where to stand in the morning, and who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till? Whose words alone can count 
That was Nicole Mullen with Redeemer here on Faith FM. Mm, nice rousing tune, that one. Do we have any more clues left? Uh, no, unless we want to make some up. And this was written by the disciple that Jesus loved. Yeah, that's true. He loved them all. Yeah. But there's one the Bible says that he loved. Yeah. Oh, I've got one. There are four books in the Bible with this name. And there are five books that he authored. Mm, yes. One of my one of them's my favorite. So uh-huh, uh-huh. there's a bunch of clues right there. <laughs> Give us a call. Made them up off the top of our head. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843 is our number if you want to have a crack at that. The price today is one of a book called Finding a Bit Away by Gustavo Scorazon. Uh, you can text us, by the way, 0491-064-669. Okay, now we were talking about um, generosity here, and the Bible says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed soon and increase the fruits of your righteousness. That's the uh, the older translation of it. Uh, yours says increase your generosity. And I think these are both good things right here because here the Bible is talking about, you know, when you sow seed, this is what you're going to get back. Mm-hmm. So if you sow seed money, the Bible says you're going to get back the gift of generosity and the gift of righteousness. These are good things. Um. And what the Bible is not saying right here, and this is where the televangelists stop short, they don't read the end of the verse. You know, They leave that bit about what you actually get in return, and they then add in what well, you're going to get in return money. You're going to get in return dollars for this. And so they appeal to people who are either desperate or greedy. Uh, and they present it as being you know, the, the, the greatest, um, you know, the, the, the greatest, investment that there is where you you sow a seed of a dollar you're going to get say $37 back well there's no investment on the planet that is going to give you that kind of return Mm -hmm. and it certainly uh, works well for the televangelists you know and they stand up there dripping with gold and expensive suits and you know there was there was another one that they went through there and he was you know spending $20,000 a year just on clothing Oh, wow. And when he was asked about it, it was like, well, you know, I sweat a lot and I sweat through my clothes and I travel a lot. And when I'm traveling, you know, I don't have time to wash my clothes, so I just buy new ones. What? And uh, And it's all, you know, it's all Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. and every name brand thing that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're laughing at my pronunciation. I don't it's know. All good. It's all good. It's French. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, well, have I just offended French people, have I? No, I don't know. We, we, none of us can really pronounce the different French fashion houses correctly. If you're a French person, then you can just give us a call and yeah, correct, correct my pronunciation. But, you know, the, I think these are well-known name brands that are yeah, very, very expensive. Yeah. And, and the question was being asked, well, why is it necessary to have, you know, clothing at this kind of level, new all the time? You know, why can't you, uh, you know, do some washing every now and then? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit cheaper to do some dry cleaning on your yep. travels. But I guess, I guess, Pack I think a suitcase so that you don't have to buy clothes. I think we need to temper um, our statement about um, just greedy people um, or desperate people. I think there's going to be a lot of genuine people who are just uh, uh, maybe just a bit wet behind the ears, a bit naive, a mm-hmm. bit foolish, mm-hmm. and who maybe they're just starting to learn. And this is this is a bit that really annoys me. You know, they're just starting to learn about Jesus, just want to learn about God, and they might have come across this on a television, and they can be very convincing. Oh yeah, these televangelists, you know, very convincing, and um, they might have been fooled. And this is another reason why we need to be studying our Bibles for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we don't get fooled by these by these absolute sharks, these people who are trying to devour us. And it's not, you know, I and mean, it's very easy to put all televangelists into one bucket. Mm-hmm. And there is no way in a million years can you do that. There are some televangelists out there who are just doing wonderful work. I've got a good friend who's a televangelist, and the thing that he hates about it is when somebody asks him, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" 
Oh, I'm a televangelist. It's like the it's like the last thing you want to do because yeah. at that particular point, everybody's like, "Oh, you're just one of those sharks." Yeah, that's it. You know, it's the it. biggest it's the biggest conversation killer ever, and uh, and he hates that about his job because he carries, you know, um, he carries with him that stigma mm. um, that is created by the um, by the prosperity gospel, and it, he's not like that at all. He doesn't, you know, he teaches strongly against the prosperity gospel. Interesting enough, I actually have a friend um, whose parents uh, got involved with a televangelist, um, and you know, and I have to remember that she, you know, I've met her parents, and they're they're not greedy, they're not desperate, they're just very sweet, um, trusting, like sweet natured people who who a bit naive got taken advantage of, and you know, she, they ended up following this televangelist around. Um, and being in his employment, um, but having to work for free because they weren't getting paid because they were told it was, you know, their sacrifice. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, she would do his hair and makeup and he would help lighting with the show and that kind of a thing and uh, and that kind of thing. So it, it, there are people who, who are just genuine sweet people who have just been absolutely taken advantage of. And, you know, there are a lot of very powerful messages that are presented by these guys. Yeah. You know, just, be, just because they are... And if you don't know corrupt, your Bible, they, they're just, convincing. That's right. But but even 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 a lot of the times they can stand up and tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Just because they're corrupt in their heart does not stop them telling the truth and telling it in a very powerful and effective way. And people come to God and they give their lives to God as a result of these ministries and then they get caught up in it and uh, they end up in a worse position than if they'd never come to God in the first place. Yeah, yeah. The Bible goes on in verse 11 and it says, Being enriched. So there you go, Mon, mm-hmm. being made rich. Yep. Um, but we probably should read what else it says. The rest of it, yes. <laughs> being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, getting better, mm-hmm. which causes through us, uh, which causes through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service. Not only supplies the want of the saints, but is the but is abundant also by many thanksgivings to God. So what are we enriched in? Can we are I- enriched in thanksgiving. We are enriched in righteousness. And we are enriched in generosity. Can I read my version? Because my version has a really nice way and clear way of sticking it. It says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can also always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, we will thank God. Okay, so it's not becoming about like it's not about becoming wealthy, is it? No, not at all. It's about helping people where we can and doing as much as possible. It's to... basically passing on God's blessings. Yeah, we're just the postman, really. We're taking blessings from God and pass them on to other people. And I think when it comes to financial blessing, most of us can't handle it, mm-hmm. and this is why God doesn't give it to us. Yeah, um, I've been rereading. I read this uh, when I was a teenager, uh, the story of Argy Latorno. Um, great story. Oh yeah! I found it the other day, just randomly. Like I'm going to read this again. I mean, this guy was the—he was the man. He—he he, he built like massive, big machinery, invented stuff, um, became a major industrialist in the United States, and he used to give away ninety percent of his income. Oh, that's cool! And he used to do, you know, huge projects in developing countries like Liberia and Peru and places like that. And uh, you know, he had factories here in Australia. Even it was, um, you know, just a, a, a massive empire. Um, but he was somebody who. Um, who could be trusted with money? I'd love to see these televangelists give away ninety percent of their income. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let, let, <laughs> let us see them stick their money where their mouth is. That would be something to see. All right, so uh, where are we going on through? We've got a couple more verses here to read, Mon. Um, where did we get up to? Verse 12? Uh, that was, yeah, verse 12. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will, be joyfully, ex- and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. 
As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for all this for this gift is too wonderful for words. Okay, so notice what it is that Paul says that they are going to reap. The harvest they are going to get by sowing this seed money. The harvest that they are going to get is unity. Amen. That's the harvest. That's that's you know when when you summarize this whole passage right here, when you bring it all together, the harvest that they are getting by sowing this seed money has nothing to do with financial gain. It is all about creating unity. Is like you're going to be united with the Jews who are uh, Jewish Christians. They're going to be praying for you. You're going to be praying for them. We're going to become all one church, united together, serving Jesus Christ. And shouldn't that be what we are aiming for in our Christian experience? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so if you get the opportunity to give, it's a good thing. Do it expecting nothing in return but the blessings of God. Sees it with their eyes. 
enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Savior God to thee, how great 
some singing that sure was i really sang that that was home free very nice i I like that one fantastic mon what have we got for question of the day today okay question of the day has come in from a listener and um i kind of summarized it as uh should christians vote but i do want to quickly just read out the question because it was quite a long long uh, question that came in read it out to you so we sort of all on the same page it says uh, my question is should we contribute to voting in Australia or get signed off and not number any boxes if the current government makes no difference in the long term as God's government is the only one that matters uh, do you know what I'm just going to repeat that because I didn't get it on video <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's kind of a long question you're going to do it again <laughs> my question is should we contribute to voting in Australia or get signed off and not number any boxes if the current government makes no difference in the long term as God's government is the only one that matters and I put that up uh, just put it in a nutshell as should Christians vote so Lyle take it away okay so the first thing I'm going to say is that this is a decision between you and God um, this is not, not a decision to, for me to make. The Bible does not say anything about voting or not voting. The Bible does say some things about government, uh, our responsibilities towards government, and so forth. We're going to look at those passages, but the Bible is silent on the subject of voting. There are a couple of things that you need to take into consideration, and you know the view that has been put forward here is a uh, a fairly cynical view that I think that most Australians have today. It's true, <laughs> and that is that you know what 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 difference is it going to make? You put this government in, you put that government in. It They're all a make... bunch of clowns. Yeah, and uh, and corrupt to the core. And uh, hey, let's run for prime minister because next month it'll be someone different. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Okay, so there are some reasons why people specifically choose not to vote. One of them being that they are worried that if they vote somebody into power and they then do something immoral, that they are responsible for what that person has done. That's what I've been told before. Someone literally told me not to vote because if they, if the person I voted in won and committed a sin, their blood is on my hands. The Bible says, Acts chapter, sorry, Ezekiel chapter eighteen and verse twenty: "The soul that sins, it shall die." The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. You are not held accountable for what somebody else has done. However, you might want to take into consideration what they stand for. Mm. If they stand for something that you as a Christian see as being unchristian principles, then that may affect the way that you either vote or choose whether or not you are going to vote. Um, so there are some some uh, issues that, you know, for me personally, you know, I take very close to heart as a Christian, um, social issues, ethical issues that will uh, you know have a quite a uh, determination on the way that I vote, you know, particularly things to do with, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol, temperance, these kinds of issues I think are important issues that we should be voting on um, with, you know, um, yeah, there's been a number of those kind of things that I think that, you know, that that's my opinion mm-hmm. and somebody else can have a different opinion because the Bible doesn't talk about it. Okay, so there are some things that uh, I think that we should uh, really take into consideration. The Bible does say some things, if we go over to First Timothy, on how we should relate to our leaders um, or our clowns, as the case might be. <laughs> uh, 
the kaleidoscope of clowns. Yes. It's, every time someone says Scott Morrison, my brain just quickly goes, who's that again? Oh, that's right. Our new Prime Minister. <laughs> who's it going to be next week? No. Um, okay. First Timothy chapter 2 and uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, um, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication and prayer and intercession and giving of thanks be made for everyone. For kings and for all that are in authority. So the Bible says that our leaders are people that we need to be praying for. Scott Morrison is someone we need to pray for on a regular basis. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, even when uh, you know, probably the opposite of Scott Morrison was in power, maybe Julia Gillard or Kevin Rudd or these guys, we need to be praying for them. You know, Scott Morrison, you know, he's somebody who professes uh, to be a very devout Christian. These other guys did not profess uh, Christianity. Um Regardless of whether they profess Christianity or not Christianity or some other religion, we should be praying for the people who are in power of the government of our country, whatever that country is, wherever we might be living. So we need to pray for these people. Um, And of course, uh, there's some other passages. Um, Acts chapter 5, I'll just give you these ones. Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 29. And Romans 13, 1 to 7, talk about obeying legitimate government. And so, you know, if there is a government, it's legitimately in power because um, it's there by the Constitution, then this is a government that uh, we are called on to obey where it does not contradict what God says. Thank you so much, Lyle, for answering that. If you have a question, contact us here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text your questions, 0491-064-669. This is Keith and Kristen Getty with My Worth Is Not In What I Own. My worth is not in what I own Not in the strength of flesh and bone But in the costly wounds of love At the cross My worth is not in skill or name But in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul Fight. 
You're listening to Keith and Kristen Getty with My Worth Is Not In What I Own. That really mm. goes so well with what we were talking about, about generosity earlier on. It's an important reminder for sure, for sure. Lyle, we have two giveaways and giveaways. Yeah, we'll give waves away. <laughs> Wave of the people. Uh, two giveaways and uh, a little announcement uh, as we finish off the show this morning. Uh, the announcement, of course, being that we are going to be broadcasting live from Ginderbine all next week, uh, which is very exciting for both Super us and our exciting. listeners. Absolutely. Um, we're in a, an, at an event. Yeah, live at an are event. We? Grey Nomads. Where is it? Grey Nomads is people with caravans and camper vans and other things that they live in or people that just drive a car and want to stay in a cabin um, but are part of that whole, um, you know, that, that, that grey nomad kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all get together a couple of times a year, once down at uh, Ginnabine, another time up at uh, Stewart's Point. I think they may even have one in Western Australia. These are the largest gatherings of caravanners than the like anywhere in Australia. And they are for the young at heart and the grey haired. So, you know, come along. Yep. It's great fun. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting from there. So st- tune in for next week. It's going to be a special week for us. Broadcasting will happen as per usual, same time, same place kind of a thing, just from a different studio, which is exciting for us. I want to tell you very quickly about two giveaways we have. Of course, we still have our ongoing uh, YouTube giveaway. So jump onto our YouTube, Faith FM Australia, subscribe. We have about 10 copies of the St. Nature's Superfood uh, book left. If you just subscribe, we'll send you one. And then, of course, in conjunction with our uh, interview today about the kids going off, I mean, anyone going off to uh, Bible college and learning how to basically make disciples, uh, we have a wonderful book here. We've given this away before and it's quite popular. It's called If You Can Eat, You Can Make Disciples yeah, Sharing yeah, a Faith really, in a Multi Faith really like World. If you have food, you can meet people and start leading them to Jesus. You know, as we talked about in the Bible study, we need to be a river and not as a reservoir. We need to carry the blessings that we've been given from God onto others. And this book will help you do that in a non-frightening way using um, food, of course, and many other techniques. So this book, free for you today. to the first person to call us right now. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. That's 1-800-324-843. Troublesome times times are here Filling men's hearts with fear Freedom we we all dear Now is at stake 
Humbling your hearts to God Safe in the chastening rod Seek the way, pilgrim, stride Christians awake My Jesus is coming soon Morning or night or noon And many will be their doom Trumpets will sound And all of the dead shall rise Righteous meet in the skies Going where no one dies Heavenward bound Well troubles will soon be more Happy forevermore When we meet on that shore Free from all care Rising up in the sky Telling this world goodbye Homeward we then will fly Glory to share Coming soon, morning or night or noon, and many will be dead. Trumpets will sound, and all of the dead shall rise. Righteous be in the skies, and we know no one dies heavenward bound. My Jesus is a coming soon. Yeah.